Welcome to Support Up Simplified, where we interview thought leaders in the great field of customer support operations to provide you with actionable insights from the brightest minds in the industry. And now, your host, Sid Bumbani, CEO of Sumati. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Support Operations Simplified. We have Aiten Pick with us here today, who is the VP of Customer Service at Lumen and has, uh, I want to say, a couple of decades of experience under his belt uh, when it comes to working in and running technical support teams um, all over the world. He's based in uh, Israel right now. Welcome, Aiten. Hi, Sid. Thanks, and thanks for inviting me. It's great to have you on the show. Um, can you introduce yourself? I, I know you're at Lumen now, but you have a rich history of uh, working in customer service in a number of companies. Maybe you can walk us through that a little bit. Yeah, sure. I would be happy to do that. So um, my name is Eitan Pick. Uh, I've been in the, the support world, I would call it, uh, because it is a whole uh, rich uh, world mm-hmm. uh, for exactly 20 years now. Uh, I started my support career in uh, ISPs uh, back in the end of the 90s, beginning of uh, 2000, where there were still uh, modems doing these funny noises. Uh, (laughs) So we went uh, a long way since then. Uh, I've been working in uh, various companies since ISPs in in various roles as a support engineer, uh, tier three engineer that was... uh, introduced back in the middle of the uh, uh, 2003 or 2004, Mm -hmm. uh, customer services roles. And then from there, I actually started uh, going into more into various managerial positions, uh, managing uh, global groups in uh, various companies like LivePerson, Trustier, uh, more in the security B2B. Right. Uh, financial area uh, that was uh, then acquired by IBM. And then we were actually part of the uh, IBM uh, security team. Uh, from, then, uh, from there, I continued to Taboola, that is in the content and uh, personalized content uh, area, mm-hmm. then to Namogu. And currently now I'm in a company called Lumen, a very cool startup uh, that is uh, starting to be very, very successful around the world, basically in the B2C uh, area where we have actually, it's a combination of a hardware, software, and science. Uh, it's a device that uh, you inhale and exhale into it and it reads your CO2 uh, and based on that gives nutrition uh, recommendations on daily basis that are very personalized to each person. Uh, That's awesome. So uh, this is basically a little bit about my background of uh, being asked to B2B and to B2C companies. Uh, and I love everything about it. Oh, that, yeah, it sounds like a really rich journey. Um, covers a little bit of everything, like you said, with the support world. Now, I don't know about anyone else, but I'm personally very happy when you mentioned those modems that they don't make those sounds anymore. Um, and the <laughs> fact that when I get a call, I don't get disconnected from the internet because that used to be a big issue back in the day too, right? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, so, so tell us a little bit about Lumen. You mentioned you can, uh, it's, it's a breathalyzer almost for your metabolism. Um, that's pretty cool. Uh, how, many, how many customers do you have? What are you doing with it? Um, what are your customers calling in about? Yeah, it is. And it's, uh, we're in a fascinating journey uh, currently. We started actually five and a half years ago 
Uh, and we were in the research and development uh, phase for almost four and a half years. Uh, and then we actually started, do, we did a campaign um, in Indiegogo. And there we were very successful and actually over 12,000 uh, backers uh, purchased the device. And okay. now we are also continuing to send the device worldwide. Uh, and the fascinating thing about it is that uh, elite uh, sport people or anybody that wanted to know about their metabolism uh, more could go to uh, private clinics uh, or to hospitals and do this few-hour test uh, of their metabolism, an RQ or RMR test. And actually what we're doing is we're bringing this device into every uh, consumer, every house uh, in the world uh, with a small uh, device that uh, every morning basically inhale and exhale into it. It reads your CO2, as I mentioned before. And based on that, it knows if your uh, metabolism and if your body is burning more fuel on carbs or fat. And by that, we actually give you the recommendations of the nutrition for that day and every day. Uh, and people actually see results of better and healthy metabolism or flexible metabolism. And of course, also weight loss. Uh, but that is only one of the goals that we provide our customers. Hmm. That is really cool. And, and the, the cool part about this, as I'm thinking through this, is fascinating device. Um, even more fascinating when it comes to customer support of a device like this. Um, how big is your team? What kind of day-to-day -day operations are you guys running around this uh, product? Yeah, so it's... Uh, Really interesting because we started actually uh, sending the devices a few months ago. So this is a pretty new team. Uh, we are now four people on the team, uh, me leading the team, and we are expected uh, to have a huge growth in the next uh, few months. So we're going to double and triple our, uh, uh, our team and have more presence uh, uh, more globally uh, uh, around the world. Mm -hmm. And... We are actually dealing here with a variety of uh, questions, uh, issues, uh, everything you can think about in the customer services world from pre-sale questions before a person uh, thinks if to purchase the, the device, uh, to delivery questions, uh, to VAT or uh, uh, custom questions. All right, yeah. And from there to the post-sale to actually after they pair their device with their mobile app uh, for the first time and start actually doing their, we call it calibration, uh, the device starting to know you, your personalized uh, capacity of lungs and, uh, and, and your metabolism. And then the, we have a huge variety of questions and, and things that can uh, uh, come from customers, including hardware, software, and a lot of science and nutrition questions. So we have a very interesting, interesting. team consisting of a, a combination, I would say a hybrid between the pre-sale world, the post-sale, mm -hmm. customer success, and also deep understanding of technical support, uh, including also hardware aspects of it. So very interesting and fascinating. We deal with a lot of things. So you can have uh, an engineer find himself one minute answering nutrition questions and then the other minute going into databases, querying the databases and going into doing code analysis uh, on a very deep technical level. That is really interesting. Eh? Um, 
And and what's what's even more interesting, Aiden, is the fact that I mean, given your size and the fact that you've you've uh, launched in the market now, um, it almost feels like you have a lot of leeway in how you want to build up the support organization. And with someone who's gone through the industry experience um, of running various teams across various businesses, I guess my my question is more along what is your ideal state for this environment? Like, what are some of the things you're doing right now to build this customer service and support department into a way you want to see it mold into the future? Yeah, so I think that that's a great question. And uh, so there's a few aspects of this. And uh, the first aspect is, of course, looking at all our systems and how we uh, prepare ourselves to scale. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's one aspect that I'll talk about. And then the other aspect is actually the uh, the teams and the structure of the teams. So okay. first of all, I'll start with the, with the systems. So from my previous uh, uh, roles in the various companies, uh, as we have also a web solution and an in-app solution uh, for our customers. Okay. So what we have is a combination between Salesforce as our CRM system that we actually implemented not long ago to have a full 360 view of a customer from the minute they purchase the the device uh, until all the stages of their life cycle until the post-sale. So from the device ID, for example, until uh, their maneuvers uh, uh, within the device Mm -hmm. uh, and what they're doing there uh, and then basically other previous cases. From the other hand, we have are the world of chat and messaging uh, that is uh, uh, a lot of organizations are going out from the traditional email uh, offline support into really more uh, dynamic uh, chat slash messaging uh, environments. So we're using also a platform, currently it's Intercom, that have an integration between Salesforce and Intercom. Interesting. Uh, so we, we can have the, the customers come with various channels to us, if it's through the app and come and chat with us, if it's through the website, uh, if it's through just sending us an email. So we want to be here for the customer in any way that is convenient for them to contact us. So this is one aspect of the systems. And of course, we have a lot of various integrations with other systems, Mm -hmm. uh, if it's Jira for bugs and if it's other uh, mechanisms there. Uh, but just for the customer to have a really uh, perfect uh, and outstanding uh, experience with us and with the uh, Lumen experts that will help them when they come and ask questions. So that's like from the system perspective. Yeah. Um, from the building the teams. So I used to uh, have various teams located in uh, also geographically. Right. Uh, and uh, there's always, you know, the... Uh, uh, the consideration if you want to build a team of like a centralized location team that provides 24-7 support or do Mm -hmm. you want to follow the sun model where you put basically in three uh, time zones, three main time zones uh, uh, people. Uh, So this is also some of the challenges that uh, I'm looking forward as we grow very fast to see what will be more suitable for us uh, if it's uh, more... Uh, putting people on ground in the U.S., for example, as a lot of our customers are U.S.-based. Right. And if to do a 24-7 organization, from the other hand, there's always the question that I'm sure a lot of uh, support uh, managers uh, tackle them and have these debates as they grow. Mm -hmm. If to separate the teams and have a more 
tier one, tier two, tier three structure uh, uh, within the team. Like an escalation model, yeah. Exactly, an escalation model. Or is it more right to do it uh, uh, through business model of B2C and then B2B? Uh, so there's a lot of these questions that I'm now actually tackling now, uh, having a lot of fun doing that. And very shortly, we're going to get more to what is more uh, uh, suitable to our product fit and for our customers uh, and, and basically do this plan in the next uh, Q1 to 2020 will be a very interesting uh, and enriching uh, quarter next year. Interesting. That That is really interesting. In fact, we were speaking in our last show to uh, Ryan Steinberg from Intercom, um, and, and he was explaining some of the similar challenges as well in terms of scaling a support organization and baking customer experience into it right from the get-go. So that, you know, customer support is, is kind of evolving to not just being a break-fix solution, like you mentioned, but more of being able to tell what the customer's journey has been right from the get-go till when you, when they call you. Um, and one of the things he was suggesting was this book called The Effortless Experience, uh, which uh, gave him a lot of insight into how you would go about building something like this. Um, and, I, you know, it's been a couple of times uh, people on our show have mentioned that, so I, I thought I would throw that out there. Um, also, like what as, as you build this out um, and as you have customer experience as such a core part, what are some of the metrics um, that you're tracking that speak directly to that? Yeah, so first of all, really, I, I fully agree with you uh, with the uh, things that are evolving and changing in the support organizations uh, worldwide as we, uh, uh, as, as, as we grow and as things change in the world. And mm-hmm. uh, really, the thing of going out of just the break, fi- break fix into more uh, and from the reactive side of things, more to proactive. Yeah. Uh, this is, I think, really is the emphasize, and we're doing a lot of things here also from on the proactive side, but uh, uh, specifically on, on on your question. So I think that um, I think it's a combination from the a lot of things that at the end of the day uh, provide customer satisfaction. Mm-hmm. So I'm a KPI person. I love KPIs, love SLAs, uh, but as as the years go and I get more and more of experience, mm-hmm. you see things a little differently. And if 10 years ago, I would just look at things like TTR, time to resolution, TTFR, time to first response, et cetera, yep. et cetera. So today, I think it's a combination of all of them together. So some of the metrics that I look is, of course, you know, the volumes, the open versus closed case uh, per month, per week. And that way, you know, what's your backlog. And your hiring model uh, plan is based on that. Yeah. Uh, TTFR really, as I said, time to first response, the time to resolution, follow up, right? The follow up between the interactions with every customer. Uh, so if a case is open for four days, it's not important only to react fast to that case or to close it fast, but it's also how fast and how professional you uh, uh, you had the engagement within these uh, two or three days. Or, or 30 minutes depends on the on the on the issue or the the question and and then you have more metrics that I that I measure like reopen the percentage of reopens right so mm-hmm. if you have a high percentage of reopen cases it means that you know maybe you're doing something wrong uh, and you didn't resolve the customer issue a uh, number of uh, issues that are escalated to R&D in percentage there you know the maturity of your product you know if uh, you're on the right direction 
Uh, and as the product becomes more mature, you would see a, a, uh, uh, this percentage going down and the decreasing. Right. Uh, and so looking at all these metrics together with, of course, the service catalog and categorizing all the types of issues and questions that you get and analyzing them. Uh, and of course, one of the, the, the most important metrics is the CSAT, the customer satisfaction, where we send after each conversation we have with a customer to see right. if they were uh, satisfied both from the professionalism of the, uh, of the, of the support expert, uh, if uh, there were, the issue was resolved fast, and of course, about the product itself. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, and uh, how, how has your experience been with uh, the responses to the CSATs? Um, I know some of the companies struggle with getting um, response rates on those. Has that been an issue for you as you've uh, experienced the growth? Yeah, definitely. I think that it's always, uh, it's always a ch- challenging. Always you look at the return rates there. Uh, I think that uh, in the B2C world, I think the benchmark is a little higher, for example, a return rate within the B2B world. Uh, but uh, also in the B2C, if you get to a 25 30% return rate, that's good. So you know that not every customer will react on every uh, ticket case or conversation that, right. that they had with you. But it does give you some kind of uh, overall holistic view of what your customers are experiencing and how you're doing. And by that, to basically improve as you go uh, and try to have as much more contact with the customers uh, when you get this data. Mm, Absolutely. Yeah. Well, one of the other things um, that has come up quite a a bit in our conversations, uh, specifically in the B2C space, is sometimes, um, you know, the CSATs, they're they're kind of um, two-pronged. In, and, and you mentioned this too, where they're not just talking about the quality of service, but also maybe about the quality of a feature or the quality of the product. Um, how, how are you guys distinguishing or what kind of thoughts do you have? What have you seen in the past where you distinguish between one aspect and the other and, and use that feedback you're getting about the product to feed it into the organization? Yeah, so I think... Uh... I think it's really a combination of uh, efforts here when you look at the satisfaction of a, of a customer. So from one hand, you have the day-to-day satisfaction surveys, I would call it, mm-hmm. where they get a few questions, three or four or five questions, depending on your product and company. And one of them is really related to the actual product. Uh, but there, I think it will be more challenging to get their uh, the way that they appreciate or not appreciate the, the, the actual product or certain features there. So I think that's only one aspect. And then there's the NPS uh, that also helps more for services and product perspective. Mm-hmm. But one of the things that I actually started to do, we started as a company to do now, and that's really in- interesting, is to actually ask the customer a question of how disappointed would you be if you wouldn't have the product? If you wouldn't have Lumen, how disappointed? And okay. when you look at the three uh, answers is or highly disappointed, uh, somewhat disappointed or not disappointed, right? Okay. So, and I think that if looking at what you strive and what you would want to see is more people being on the, of course, on the very disappointed if they would, didn't have the product. And if you get there to a high percentage, then you know you're in the right track. 
so I think the combination between that NPS and customer service satisfactions that are on ongoing basis on every conversation gives you a some kind of a uh, of, of view to understand the customer and where they're happy and where they need some more guidance or they want to see other features being added to the product. Nice. Um, that, that actually is a very interesting way of going about collecting that NPS. Um, so you're basically using it as a gauge to say, there's always going to be, presumably, some issues with the product or the experience, but are they big enough for you to actually be a deterrent in not using the product? Did I, did I get that right? Yeah, exactly. Because at the end of the day, uh, a person would be happy or not happy about a certain issue they had, right? Uh, but they still can get a very high value from the product. Exactly. They can be, they can say this product, you know, is good in this sense. And I would want to add that. And from the other hand, but at the end of the day, if you ask somebody, how disappointed will you be if you will not have the product? And he says, highly disappointed. You know that this customer is a happy customer. You know that this customer gets value from your product and he's happy using it. And he would be very unhappy if he wouldn't have the product now. And that's give you the confidence yeah, that you're on the right track uh, with the customers. That is really cool. I, I really like that idea. And I think that uh, resonates really well in the B2C space. In, in fact, even in the enterprise space, I would say, because a lot of times in the enterprise space, what we end up seeing is that the users, um, when they provide the feedback, that voice is kind of lost in the whole support channel. Um, and I think this really helps bubble it to the top. That's really cool. Um, so what, what is the one thing that you see as a big challenge other than, than scale, uh, but in terms of being able to either drive culture or, or some of these processes as you guys grow? You mentioned a couple of options in where you, know, you had the follow the sun model or perhaps uh, adding additional headcount in a, in a certain space. Um, what are some of the challenges that you're seeing uh, coming up that are keeping you up at night? So, first of all, as a support uh, manager, everything keeps me up at night. <laughs> <laughs> You've been trained not to sleep at night, right? <laughs> exactly. This is my life for the last, I don't know how many years. Uh, getting up at 2 a.m. Uh, with a critical customer issue is, uh, is, is something very familiar to me and I'm sure also to you. Yes. Uh, so, uh, but when I'm looking at the challenges and coming from also companies that did a very, very large scale up in a very short time. And this is exactly what uh, uh, will happen now also here at Lumen is how do you scale fast, but still uh, maintain uh, very high satisfaction, professionalism, and knowledge transfer? Why do I say knowledge transfer? Because once you, you decide for the first time to put your customer services teams in a remote location, mm -hmm. uh, and it, it doesn't matter where it is, you have to do it in a very, um, I would say, careful and process-oriented way uh, because at the beginning, everybody sits together, you know, uh, in a small startup with a product yep. and R&D teams. So there's a very close uh, relationship there. And once you start scaling up, you need to make sure that even if you have a remote uh, team uh, located, for example, in the U.S. or in Europe or in Asia, uh, you need to make sure that these guys have everything they need and they're able to help the customers. 
So it's a lot about knowledge transfer, doing it right, um, to them understanding the culture also in, in, in that area of the world. Uh, so I think that was at least looking at also the previous companies I worked there, that was always uh, something challenging uh, and a lot of fun doing that and seeing also the fruitful results afterwards when you see it up and running and actually working well. Absolutely. Now, I, I, I can tell you speak from a lot of experience when you, you know, point out cloning culture or not having it watered down as part of a scaling up operation as being one of the top challenges, because I think everyone can resonate with that. That's really interesting. Uh, so, Aitan, who have been some of the people in your career and in your journey who've influenced and, and taught you about the way to look at support in the way that you look at it now, which is very insightful? So one of my uh, first managers in, uh, in support was in, uh, when I was at LivePerson. I uh, was Rani Nachmias. He was heading up the customer support team. And I really learned from him a lot, the way that he looked at things out of the box, uh, tried to improve all the time uh, the, the organization, looking at customers in a little different way than the, tech, the classic technical support, I would say, mm-hmm. uh, and very uh, engaged and very uh, looking at the customer as uh, the center of the company. And I got a lot and until now and uh, since then, think like talking about 12, 13 years ago. And still now I see a lot of my methods mm-hmm. are taken from the advices and the way that uh, he used to do things. Very cool. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you, Aitan. I can't believe we've uh, come to the end of it so quickly. Uh, but thank you again for your time and for sharing such great insights and all the best to you and your team at Lumen. And I'm sure you guys are going to crush it. Thank you very much. And again, thanks for inviting me. I enjoyed it a lot. All right. Thanks for listening to Support Up Simplify with Sid Bambani of Sumati. Tune in next week for another interview with a customer support operations thought leader.